0: real homie.
1: another exciting edition of Jackman Radio. I'm your host, Eric Jackman. And I'm your host, Mike Jackman. And we are super excited today. The New Hampshire primary is very, very close. We're only a few weeks away. Um, And we have a very special guest in studio today. Joining us is former U.S. Senator from New Hampshire, Gordon Humphrey. Senator, how are you doing today?
2: Good morning, Mike. Eric, how are you? you?
1: Awesome. Super excited to have you here. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Thanks for making the trek.
2: Well, my great pleasure. Anything for John Kasich. Exactly,
1: and that's one of the reasons um, Senator Humphreys joining us today. He's, we're going to talk about his endorsement um, of John Kasich. Um, you know why he decided to endorse the governor and what he feels are his best attributes and how he can best uh, lead our country. So this primary has been—it's uh, <laughs> been unbelievable, hasn't it?
2: Well, it's unusual in that there's on the Republican side, in that there are so many, but there's only one really good one. Really good. There's one. only one who's the best. Right. John Kasich. And
1: you're arguing that's John Kasich. So, what are what are a couple well, of Well, I'm basic- not arguing
2: it. The facts are arguing it. The <laughs> well, qualifications.
1: There's, there's facts there. And, and obviously, um, candidates like to have a strong surrogate game in New Hampshire. And that was definitely a. Great grab for his campaign to have you come on board, so I'm sure they're excited about it. So talk a little bit about when you decided to endorse John Kasich and what were the main
2: reasons? Mm. Well, speaking of endorsements, and I'll answer your question uh, momentarily, but speaking of endorsements, the news of the day is that the Nashua Telegraph has endorsed, endorsed John Kasich for the office of president, or that is to say for the Republican nomination. That follows on the heels last Monday of the Portsmouth Herald endorsing John Kasich And the same day, the uh, Foster's Dover Democrat endorsing John Kasich. So four daily newspapers now have endorsed a candidate. Three of those have endorsed John Kasich. So it's not just Gordon Humphrey, for his part, endorsing John Kasich, along with, by the way, former U.S. Senator John E. Sununu. He and I are working together on behalf of John Kasich. But it's the newspapers and, and 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 the voters, if I may say. The polls are very encouraging. The most recent two polls show that John Kasich is is tied for second place. Um, That's very good. So obviously, from our point of view, that's very exciting. He's got some momentum going just at the right time because the election is now only, you know, three weeks away.
1: Yeah, three weeks away. And uh, Governor Kasich has done a ton of events. Did he hit, uh, is it 50 or 60 town halls he's done so far? Yeah,
2: big celebration about a week ago when he hit the 50 mark. We had a big cake and the whole bit. Uh, he's up to, I think, 56 now, and the goal is um, 100. Uh, he's, he's in Ohio today. Uh, today is the 16th birthday of his daughters, his twin daughters. They're 16 years old today. So wow. he was here yesterday. He went home for his daughter's birthday party, and he's back tonight, and he'll be just about living here. By the way, he's coming back with his wife and two daughters uh, tonight, and he'll be just about living here for the, yeah, <laughs> the next messed. three weeks. So we're, we're giving this we're giving this thing all we can, and and it's looking good.
1: Yeah, New Hampshire is definitely a, a make or break scenario for a lot of the candidates. Do you think uh, the same could be said for uh, Iowa for the governor? How, how's uh, it doing out there? Have
2: you- no, we don't have high expectations for Iowa. That's Trump country. That's Cruz country. Right. We don't have much of an effort going there. It's, it's kind of a peculiar institution. It's not an election, primary election in the sense that we understand it. I mean, it's not an election at all. It's a caucus kind of thing. I don't even understand it. Tell you the truth, I haven't <laughs> I haven't tried to. Everybody
1: gets in a room like we are now, and then tries to get you go to your yeah. your group or your group. Or, and yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's 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 not open to everyone. You have to get elected a caucus. Going to the threshold, fifteen
1: percent threshold.
2: Yeah, it's weird. Anyhow, you know, back to New Hampshire. This is a real election, right? This yeah. is oh yeah, this is hard you know, in America New at its best.
1: Yeah, and we've seen obviously in the past, uh, folks like John McCain uh, came back from a deficit against uh, then Texas Governor Bush and and won by 18 points, I think, in the primary in mm-hmm. 2000. Yeah, um, are you kind of hoping for something like that with Kasich, or would you guys be happy? Obviously, you want to win, but would, would a second place finish change the dialogue? You know, as far as the dynamics, and who the front runners are, and
2: yeah. In, in well, Eric like mentioned at the outset, this is kind of a strange year, an atypical year in that, in that you've got this phenomenon of Donald Trump, who um, attracts so much attention that he doesn't have to spend a nickel on advertising.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, and, the, and the networks, to in my opinion, to their shame, are just having a feeding frenzy putting Donald Trump on, even Fox, for crying out loud, on every day, it seems. Yeah. I mean, literally millions of dollars of free television such that he doesn't have to buy any ads. And the networks are getting rich in the process. And I'm not sure this is is, is right. But anyway, I don't want to dwell on that. Uh, so you've got the Donald Trump phenomenon. Is highly unlikely he's going to be the nominee because... 60-something percent of the people, voters don't want him to be the nominee. But he has a huge head of steam going here in New Hampshire, no doubt about that. And so, um, you know, I think he's probably going to, Trump is going to finish first. So whoever is second, silver medalist, if you will, um, is going to have a lot of, is going to have a lot of momentum. And right now we're tied for second, so we feel good about that. Then after New Hampshire, of course, comes South Carolina and a series of mostly Southern primaries. And then comes the Midwest, where he's really, really strong. So uh, if we do well here, I think we're off and running. And I expect that, I mean, we are doing well, and I expect that we will finish well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could definitely catapult uh, someone like Kasich to the head of the pack and, and really uh, provide more steam for the campaign. Yes. So... um Say we're at the general election point and Kasich is the nominee. I mean, what do you envision Envision a general election campaign like? I mean, what kind of running mate do you think he would pick? <laughs> kind of, well, you know, that, what kind of advisors would he have? Um, Besides you, obviously.
2: <laughs> you know, that you're not supposed to discuss that. First of all, it's bad luck. Second of all it's against the law literally for any candidate to promise anything in an election i mean in the way of an well, office Well, we
1: know that they do though we, uh, we know well, the reality
2: honestly i haven't heard a word about any of that nor nor do i want to um, sure can I first tell you why? I mean, you asked well, me the question the and questions. I never actually yeah. answered it. I got why carried away. In, why did
1: you endorse <laughs> John Kasich? when was it that you had that moment? Where you're like, I'm yeah. getting behind John Kasich. Well,
2: it wasn't, um, it wasn't automatic at, at all. I mean, there were so many candidates to review that it took me some time to wade through them. But ultimately I came from my own, you know, from my own point of view, everyone else, everyone has a point of view. This is only mine, but, um Having served in the United States Senate for two terms, 12 years, um, I have maybe a little insight about how well or not so well serving in the United States Senate prepares someone for serving in the office of president. And in my opinion, it doesn't it, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't prepare any, anyone well at all compared to being a governor. So uh, I, I think the real, the big first comparison is, is, is the experience of the candidates. you got three kinds. You've got people like Donald Trump and uh, Carly Fiorina uh, and Dr. Carson with no experience in government. And some people think that's a, a virtue, but would you choose your dentist on the basis of experience or inexperience? Would you choose your, if you had a Tooth you had to have a tooth pulled or, or a root canal or something. You want somebody who makes great speeches about root canals but has never performed one? I'm going to make our root canals great again. Is, is that enough your root to... Your canals
1: are going to be so great. They're be so strong. <laughs> your, your, your teeth are going to be so strong, Gordon, let me tell you.
2: Your root canals are going to be huge, <laughs> the hugely huge root Lots canals. of
1: gold in them, lots of gold in your teeth when I'm <laughs> yeah. done with you. Let me just tell you. Right, so that's, a so great that's a
2: good point. You see the point. I mean, I, you know, if I'm going to have surgery or a dentistry or something, I want someone who knows what he or she's doing and has been doing it for a period of years. Right. Uh, so you've got the folks without any experience, and then you've got... Um, A couple of United States senators who, when you think about it, namely uh, Ted Cruz and uh, Marco Rubio, fine fellows, up to a point, (laughs) but not far enough. Uh, uh, You know, I mean, of whom does this remind you? Uh, A a United States senator who makes really dazzling speeches and three or four years in the United States Senate And I'm a new generation, and it's all right. going to get better, ladies and gentlemen. Who do, of whom does that remind you? I've been saying that to everybody. Marco Rubio is this time
1: around Obama in 2007-08. Ex- exactly. On the Republican And side. Cruz. Exactly. They're, they're, not, they're right there. Well, They're also the children of immigrants. Can I point that out, too? One of them was born in Canada. <laughs> That's what Donald would say. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I'm
2: not getting into that, but <laughs> because it's not necessary. No, it doesn't. No, I'm just joking. I was joking you know. about Trump, you know, <laughs> yeah. so we're even. But, uh, you know, hugely huge and all that. Yeah, it's, um, it's disgusting. Huge, yeah. <laughs> we don't. We let's not go there. It's disgusting. Um, <laughs> imagine that having to pee in the middle of a debate. That's oh
1: yeah. Oh, it was horrible. It was terrible. It was, it was terrible.
2: It was, it, was terrible. it was a disaster. <laughs> yeah. uh, what, what a zoo. Um, so you have people with no experience, like Trump and Doctor and uh, Doctor like Carson. Carson, yeah. Carly Fiorina. Then you have um, senators who. Even if senators did make good presidents and they don't, uh, don't have enough experience, they haven't even been reelected yet, for, for the, haven't been reelected three or four years experience. That's like, you know, being a freshman in high school or something. Uh, then you've got governors. And governors, being a governor, is a very good preparation for being president because governors are executives. What are senators? Good question. I mean, uh, <laughs> what do they do? They talk. They give <laughs> speeches. They blow gas. They blow on on both ends. Uh, they, um, <laughs> they, take they,
1: bribes, cast, they they cast they cast votes. votes, and that's
2: serious. I mean, the legislative oh, sure. branch is a. they have got to be
1: there, though. Rubio hasn't been there for a lot of it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but even even the you know so senator's been there a long time. It's a different role. You, they're philosophers. They're poets. They deal in words. They deal in abstract, in the abstract. Whereas governors deal in concrete crises day in and day out. They have to solve them. Budgets. Budgets, but not only budgets. State emergencies, disasters. Yeah, emergencies of all kinds, from hurricanes to earthquakes to uh, shootings in schools um you name it disease e- ebola <laughs> governor Kasich actually had to deal with the ebola do they have issue. to quarantine
1: someone and kind of bring in the bring in a crew like uh, resident evil or something like that they had to
2: yeah i, I forgotten the details but you see the point that governors <clears throat> uh after a couple of years have had some heavy duty experience in solving problems and either they're good at it either they have the knack for it or they don't and if they don't they get thrown out Uh, at the next election. And Kasich was just, as you know, was just reelected a year ago with 64% of the vote. I mean, that's a landslide. And his popularity out in Ohio is is at its highest ever. So he's done a great job. And I'd like to go into the details about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, obviously, um, when he was chairman of the Budget Committee in the House, um, his blueprint, it wasn't a Clinton blueprint, it was a John Kasich blueprint. And obviously, the committee helped uh sorry four consecutive balance yes. bu- budgets correct me if i'm wrong yes. four in a row yes and what exactly is it that Kasich did that no one else could have done before him or after him and mm. bringing people together i mean you served in the in the senate so i mean first of all bipartisanship how would you even get the people to come together in a room and figure out what sides mm. want and then find a middle ground so what is it about Kasich that ha- he has that ability
2: that's, that, is a, that is the very best question you can ask, and I've got the very best answer I, anyone could hope for, and that is that John Kasich, unlike Barack Obama, but like Ronald Reagan and even Bill Clinton, and I uh, probably should explain that with a footnote, Bill Clinton, in this, in this program, <laughs> but uh, unlike Barack Obama, but like Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton, John Kasich has a unique personal ability to bring people together, Democrats, Republicans, independents. And that I'm, this is more than, you know, just hot air that I'm, I'm, I'm mouthing here. The, the, the proof is in what he's done. You mentioned, Eric, that while John was in Congress, he, he, he chaired the Budget Committee for six years, the last six years he served in the House. He went home, by the way. He decided he didn't want to make a career of it, which is another thing to his credit. He just walked away from it and went into the, into the private sector for 10 years before he ran for governor of Ohio. But anyway, he was the chair of the budget committee for the last six years. Of During the last four years, uh, he produced a, a balanced budget in each of those four years. Now, people somehow can't seem to grasp that because they think, that has never been done in, in, in their lifetimes when, in fact, if you were born, say, after 1997, it has happened in your lifetime. It happened in 1998, 99, 2000, and 2001 when John Kasich was chairman of the Budget Committee. Um, the, the, the Congress, the House and the Senate, uh, voted for his budget over that of President Clinton. Uh, Bill Clinton was president at the time. Clinton, as presidents do, submitted his budget. Kasich submitted an alternative uh, that balanced the budget, and uh, the Congress adopted Kasich's budget. It was actually the Kasich-Domenici budget. Senator Pete Domenici in the Senate uh, dealt with it on that side and adopted that over the president's budget, which was the first time that's happened in a long time. But anyway, the bottom line is, the literally, that um, this resulted in, in $580 billion in black ink surplus, which was used to pay down the national debt. Well, the national debt at the time was about $6 trillion, and so $560 billion is very nearly uh, 10% of the national debt was repaid. Again, people can't quite grasp that because they don't think it's ever happened, but it did, and it can happen again. And Okay, so this gets back to your question. It's all well and good to have the technical skills and the staff to create a budget. It's a very complex document, as you can imagine. But it's another thing to get enough Democrats and Republicans to, together to vote for it, to comprise a majority, and to enact it into law. And he did that four years in a row. So there's proof positive that even in the most contentious area, and budgets are the most contentious area, because they're about priorities, they're about constituencies, they're about re-election. They shouldn't be, but they are in the minds of members of Congress. Um, In that most contentious of all er areas, he was able to bring Democrats and Republicans together. Well, now he's the governor of Ohio, and like a president, must work with the legislature, state legislature out there, the Congress in Washington, and he's, he's applied those same skills, bringing together Republicans, independents, Democrats, and uh, turned that state around, as you, as you know, I imagine you know. Um, uh, when he took office, the state was running an $8 billion uh, deficit shortfall, and uh, turned that around to the point where the state is now running a $2 billion surplus, black ink, Uh, The state of Ohio, because of uh, that balanced budget and the stability in in the business climate that a balanced budget produces, uh, the state of Ohio is creating jobs at a pace faster than the national average. Wages are rising in Ohio faster than the national average. And there are are 200,000 jobs in Ohio right now unfilled because the unemployment rate is so low. So if anyone listening needs to find a job and is free to travel to Ohio is where you should go. Uh, again, these are concrete, um, this is concrete evidence of success. <clears throat> this isn't uh, political hot air. The guy's amazing. He's, he's, he, he, he's, he has the experience and that unique skill set that Reagan had, that Clinton had. I mean, you might not, I didn't agree with almost anything Clinton did, but you have to give the guy credit. He was a uh, competent president. He knew how to put together a majority of Democrats and Republicans and, and to make government work. Uh, that's what we need.
1: It was actually functioning and we didn't have the yeah. paralysis that we have now with our government, which is completely hideous and turns people off yes. in our age group here, yes. you know, your millennial group, 18 to 30. Yes. And they don't want to participate. They think, I don't have any skin in the game. They're all corrupt. They're all on the take. They can't even agree on the day. So what is it about John Kasich you think that could appeal to voters of my age group in the millennial generation?
2: Well, I think um, we all have in common a, um, a desire to, to make the most of the potential with which we were born. We all want to succeed, to put it more plainly, more prosaically. We all want opportunity and we all want to get ahead and we all want to live a happy, prosperous, healthy life and do the same for our children. That's pretty elementary and that's, you know, a lot of things that divide us in the country, but that's one on which virtually everyone can agree. And so there's the economic um, the imperative to to uh, make the economy strong. It isn't strong. The uh, unemployment—I uh, mean, the the applications for uh, unemployment compensation went up in the last week nationwide. The economy is sort of, if it's growing, it's growing very slowly. Uh, the stock markets are crashing around the world, which could be a sign of bad things coming. So we need a president who can balance the budget because without that. Without that kind of stability in the economy and in human expectations, if, if instead you have uncertainty, then then people who create jobs are, are, are not going to create jobs at, at the necessary rate. So you need a balanced budget. You need a president who will restrain the regulatory um, burden that Washington imposes. You need a president who's prepared to cut taxes, as Reagan did, and even as Clinton did, in order to stimulate the economy and get it really going again. And then the other big issue that's on everyone's mind, and again, this is so whether you're an old guy like me or a young guy like you guys, um, and that's national security. I mean... It's a jungle out there. It's worse than a jungle because, you know, uh, sometimes I think animals are more civilized than these ISIS people. In fact, I'm sure they are. Yeah. I uh, they don't
1: have religion. <laughs> animals don't have religion. Running their <laughs> lives. Yeah, running their lives. Yes.
2: You know, yeah. clouding their mind. It's a jungle out there, and it's not going to get any better for a long time no. to come. So in the meantime, our, our national defenses are down, if you will. We're not uh, as, as strong or as respected as, as we were, and we need to rebuild our defenses. Speaking of
1: foreign policy, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, the first time I met Governor Kasich, I asked him a question about Saudi Arabia, the kingdom yes. of Saudi Arabia, yes. and um, <clears throat> their financing of terror. Um, they're basically, in the United States, turning a blind eye to their financing and their material support. And it dealt with uh, a section of the September 11th attacks that Senator Bob Graham has spoke about mm-hmm. at length. I'm sure you're familiar about it. 28 redacted pages from the original investigation. And John understood what I was asking him about. He didn't really give me a straight answer. But then I heard him in the debate the other night, and he was very, very critical of Saudi Arabia. And it was like a breath Mm -hmm. of fresh air. It was amazing Mm -hmm. to hear um, a sitting governor and someone with that podium saying, look, um, I got it right here. He said there's a where uh, Saudi Arabia is, the, he said, quote, my biggest problem with them is they're funding radical clerics through their madrasas. This is a bad deal and an evil situation, and presidents have looked the other way. So, yeah. perhaps... But that's a breath of fresh air. It's a breath it? of fresh air, and perhaps uh, John, Governor Kasich, would be more hands-on with Saudi Arabia and not turn a blind eye anymore.
2: Well, hes uh, I've attended just about all of his town meetings since I endorsed him back in September. And I've heard him say in these town meetings a number of times what you just quoted, namely that uh, Saudi Arabia has has been, to a certain extent, cooperative with the United States in various matters, but at the same time is funding uh, these radical organizations that are attacking Western civilization, and that needs to stop. Now, the the further good news is that the United States has finally, after uh, decades of delay, um, um, begun to produce a surplus of oil. North Dakota. Once once again, we we turned the private sector loose with environmental, reasonable environmental um, constraints, and they are now producing actually a surplus. The first ship bearing American petroleum to be exported left port just a few days ago. Uh, The price of oil is coming down because a production is going up principally in the U.S., and because demand is coming down, principally because the world economy is slowing, so uh, that's that around not,
1: thirty a barrel right now.
2: Yeah, below actually,
1: below yeah. twenty twenty-seven Our, or something. I remember during the gas crisis a few years ago, it was over one hundred and twenty dollars a barrel.
2: So anyway, to get back to what you said, not only should we, for sound moral reasons, but also for national defense reasons, uh, <clears throat> put Saudi Arabia on notice that yeah. we're not going to tolerate that any longer. But the sweetener is, or the the lucky happenstance is, that simultaneously we can get along without their oil if we have to.
1: Right. We've had kind of an interesting relationship with them. Uh, It's almost like a partnership. It's not that we really like each other. It's almost for strategy and for, obviously, energy resources and other uh, political implications. Yes. So it's, it's, you know, I, I read the other day we've almost overtaken, not Saudi Arabia, but maybe some of the other countries that are sending oil our way uh, in production. I don't know how long that's going to last, and you hope we can come up with other uh, sources of energy. But, um, yeah, that's an interesting interesting uh, you know, thing to look at. I mean, you look, you look at their human rights abuses alone, yes. and that's, that's something that uh, you know, should be looked at.
2: Well, John Kasich has made two major speeches, in addition to all of these town meetings all over the country, uh, two major uh, uh, policy speeches, one on national defense and one on foreign policy. Um, we've just touched on foreign policy to a degree in discussing Saudi Arabia, but he has a fully fleshed out program for foreign policy and national defense, and uh, as well as economic policy. Uh, and those can be found on his website in detail, for those who want detail, at johnkasich.com, K-A-S-I-C-H, uh, rhymes with basic, Kasich. And uh, cable have you program. seen that ad where there's there's a Kasich ad where this little girl said, that's a funny name. Have you seen that? Uh, no, I
1: don't no, think but, I've seen it. But that. it's funny. It reminds me of Kucinich's old ads. Rhymes with spinach. <laughs> Dennis Kucinich. <laughs> it's spinach. Oh, no, Ohio Another great Ohio. Um, well, yeah. Uh, yes. Well, John, like
2: Dennis Kucinich, is uh, uh, descended from people. Uh, yeah, the from, same uh,
1: background uh, yeah. in Ohio. Yugoslavian yeah. or, or, or Croatian maybe. Croatian in John's yeah. case. yeah.
2: Uh, in fact, there, let me talk a little bit about his background because this is important too. It forms his perspective. Uh, wasn't born with a silver spoon in his mouth like a certain um, uh, person in a dynasty running. Much, <laughs> yep. uh, um, uh, he didn't say it, uh, I said it. Yeah. Uh, wasn't handed a real estate uh, Gordon, Empire I got a very life.
1: small loan from my father for a million dollars, and I paid it back with interest. <laughs> all okay? Right, okay. I've had a
2: hard life, Gordon. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, enough enough uh, snide remarks on my part. Um, no, uh, Kasich was born in uh, and raised in a place called McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, which is right by Pittsburgh on the river, Ohio River, industrial town, steel town, chemical town that you know kind of went down. Along with uh, those industries out there, when he was growing up, so his, you know, he he has very much a uh, blue collar, I would even say lower middle class background. I can say that because that's where I came from. I grew up in a town like that myself. I'm here. Uh, my We're father here. worked. and It's not about me, but <laughs> just quickly, my father worked in factories all his life. Uh, worked hard and honestly, and never complained about it. But anyway, yeah. enough about me. Yeah, so, but Kasich grew up in that kind of a family. His father was a a mailman, a postman, carried the mail on his back. His father was a coal miner, literally. I mean, his grandfather. Yeah, the grandfather. Grandfather was a coal miner, literally, who died of black lung disease. I mean, that's you know that's the background he comes from. He went to a, a Ohio State University. Didn't go to prestigious school. Uh, good football team, great football team, but you know one it's not best, not yeah, exactly you know one of the Ivy League schools.
1: It's not Wharton School. Or or
2: small. It's an <laughs> enormous, giant kind of a school. So anyway, that's where he comes from. He understands the plight and the struggles of ordinary people. That's good too.
1: It's good perspective. It is. Yeah, he he really is. And last time we we saw him speak at Papagallo's up in Keene there uh, last month. You were at that event as well. I was. Show. Yes. And we um. I just got a chance after the event to kind of talk to him, and, and uh, you know, we usually ask policy questions or political questions, but uh-huh. I asked him, you know, he's from, he's the governor of Ohio, that's where the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame is, uh, I've made two tricks there <laughs> myself, right? and uh, he's in support of having one of my favorite bands, uh, Electric Light Orchestra, inducted into the Hall of Fame.
2: Yeah, he's yeah, really into that. Know, just to, he can talk with you guys about that he stuff. Did. I yeah. have no idea what he's talking about when he goes into that <laughs> rant, but you guys, you guys understand that stuff.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting too. A, a little bit about yourself, I read. I read this on your Wikipedia uh, Wikipedia page. You were born on October 9th, nineteen forty, the same exact day as John Lennon.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a
1: little, little rock and roll uh, history. <laughs> do you, do yeah, you yeah. have a favorite Beatles song?
2: Uh, poor John. Are
1: you a Beatles fan?
2: Uh, yeah, I loved it, but you know, I. I this is, I'm I'm totally out of my depth and I can't talk about that stuff. Feel, I'm too old. <laughs> well, no, you're the same age. Well, You were born the same. Talk about well, yeah, but that I'm not. I'm John Lennon. I'm not. So uh, let's talk about John. Another John. John yeah, another Johnny. Johnny. John e. Can I you know I, can I talk about John Kasich the the human being.
1: Yeah, I mean, you've obviously you spent, guys, are bros you guys know, have been yeah. able to bro out uh, yeah. during the primary and hang out. And, yeah, uh, yeah, we're broing out. Maybe, yeah, that's, a, that's
2: us. Yeah. yeah, that's the millennial <laughs> phrase, you know, you have a, a bromance, you
1: know. So what is what is he like when the cameras are off and there's not 100,000 people around and you're just hanging out? I mean, he's just a down-to-earth dude.
2: Barry, down-to-earth. Uh, I wish, if I could have one wish in this campaign, it would be that everyone of the legal drinking age could go out for a drink with John Kasich. That
1: was my next question, his favorite beer. Probably rolling rocks. Uh, like uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, one of
2: those. Yeah, I, I don't know. I he's got a little bit of a, you know, as a guy who's what sixty three, he's got a little bit of having to watch his waistline. So, um, <laughs> he's but, doing okay. But he's, yeah. um, he works, tries to work out. He tries to build in enough time in his schedule that he can work out. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, he's a very down-to-earth guy. He's he's kind of rough around the edges. You know, I think people have seen that in he's the debates.
1: He's not totally scripted. It's come out a little bit, which he, I kind of appreciate. I like that. when he's a little bit condescending to the questioner. <laughs> just like a Just, like a, <laughs> just a tad, yeah. Just a touch. little bit condescending. But you know? there's no
2: meanness there. No, Unlike no. a certain guy named Donald something or other. Yeah. Yeah. You're ugly. He's, yeah. he, You're fat. <laughs> there is absolutely no meanness, no unkindness, no thoughtlessness. He's very careful with uh, how people's feelings and... Um, yeah, he's a little rough because that's you know where he grew up, but he you know he didn't go to finishing school or, no, or uh, it, prep I school.
1: I think New Hampshire voters like that. How he's that's real, authentic. He's yeah. real. He's I like not. I, I, I appreciate that. And well, as, I do know? too,
2: because that. Believe me, I've seen enough of these packaged oh, politicians yeah, been, to right. last my lifetime. Uh, you know, they will. Take on whatever point of view and and, and yeah. mouth whatever yeah, words. They're like weather
1: vanes. They're blowing with the wind. We'll, we'll get, get them the elected. Them. Yeah.
2: E- elected. And he's just the opposite. He sometimes I wish he were a little more um, polished, tactful, and tactful. polished. Yeah, but I'll I'll take him as he is because he's real.
1: Yeah. No. No. I can I can definitely see that. I've seen Kasich now a couple times, and um, social issues. I don't really know a lot about where he is on social issues because if he's going to want to win this general election. He's got to be able to kind mm-hmm. of bring that to the younger generation. Our millennial voting block—we're going to represent, I think, the largest one, and not maybe not the next election, but the one after that. We're going to have majority voting. So, yes. Oh, good luck. Socially- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good luck with the <laughs> problems that we're about <laughs> well, to hand you. <laughs> hey, I'm going to. Well, we're going to keep at it. I mean, I ran for state rep in 2012, and I Did lost by uh, 70 votes. So wow, that's close. I took on, uh, you know, very entrenched incumbent John Hunt. I'm sure you're familiar mm-hmm, with him. Sure. Uh, who lives in a castle? And uh, I don't live in a castle. But um social issues—I mean, where do you see Governor Kasich on things like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, gay marriage is a done deal. That's Supreme, his Supreme Court rule on it—done deal.
2: That's know. basically what he says. Good uh marijuana. Boy, he—I'm wearing, by the way, a little wristband that I've been wearing for a couple of months. It says. Uh... Not even once. <clears throat> this this is in regards this this relates to the heroin. Well, I was going to say overdose even once. E- yeah, epidemic. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He's been Good very interest. active in that out in Ohio. <clears throat> Ohio's kind of led the way. Uh, he got it very interested in the issue. I don't know, four or five years ago, when some women came to him bearing photographs of their children who had died of heroin overdoses. And we have it here, too, big it's time. Over here, 300 young people year. Yep. died in 2015. We have a in kid in our graduating
1: high school class. He, he died Whew. of it this past, last year. Oh, my gosh. So it's, everyone it's is touched by it, affected by it.
2: All right, so this relates back to your question about marijuana. I know it's kind of fashionable nowadays to say, well, you know, let's legalize it. But he sees it as uh, the 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 door that leads to, ultimately, to heroin overdoses. So... He, wherever he goes, and he's done this in many town meetings. If there is a, a youngster in the audience, he, he will give his little uh, sermon about do not take drugs. It's you think you're smarter and stronger than drugs, you're not, and it'll kill you. So that's your answer.
1: So he's he's uh, in the chorus of Gateway. He believes marijuana is a gateway drunk.
2: I haven't heard him use that word, but I guess that would be right.
1: Well, it's, I don't know. I mean, my generation doesn't prescribe to that totally. I personally don't. I mean, if if we lose it, if we're going to apply that logic, then all of my father's generation should have died of heroin overdoses. You know, some of the greatest music was written with with, uh, marijuana and some of the most inspirational uh, musicians and artists and poets used marijuana, but never touched heroin, so... I don't really agree with that, but I have
2: to applaud his honesty. Okay, well, on. that's what he says, and he yeah. doesn't varnish it.
1: Yeah, well, no, hey, i got to applaud him on that, but he, that's going to be a tough sell to uh, our demographic and people who are seeing these states that have legalized it and relaxed the rules on it, and you're no longer a criminal if you want to come home and have a few puffs of weed in the comfort of your own home. So There's well, the medical implications of it, too, even in New Hampshire. Who, there's a... What was her name? She's dying of cancer, very late. Aggressive. Yeah, she well, got her that's medical. A, yeah, that's a different issue.
2: But anyway, yeah. uh, you know, if you're trying to persuade me, you're trying to persuade the wrong guy. I'm not running for president. Oh, hey. well, yeah. I'm just reporting what, what he says. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, and then turning to another foreign policy area that I haven't heard Governor Kasich talk a lot about. Um, so obviously ISIS is a huge problem. Radical Islam is a huge problem. Yes. But identifying huge. the root causes of it and what is causing these young men to leave their homes, whether it's in Mm -hmm. the UK, whether it's in other countries in Europe and travel to Syria and travel to Iraq and join up. I mean, we have to look at the root problem. That's what, what is causing this. And then not only that, countries that have been affected by our drone program. And I think that's something that's not talked about enough as a root problem and as a great recruiting tool of radical islam is our drone program what do you what do you think you're about gonna that?
2: have to tell me what that means because i don't know sure. what, what do you mean okay. our drone I'll, program?
1: I'll make it i'll make it very basic so you you live in a village in pakistan yeah and your village has routinely been drone bombed mm-hmm. since barack obama's taken office okay i get it yeah it started when you were a 10 year old boy you're an 18 year old man now we have we have to be honest about that. We have to look at that with a critical eye and kind of be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Our drone program is a great recruitment tool of terrorists.
2: Yeah, maybe so. I don't know if it is or it isn't. I've never heard him address this, so I wouldn't know what to say. But I will say that I have heard him address the very critical issue and growing issue of terrorism. And he thinks, sometimes he gives very blunt answers. And at one town meeting, someone asked him, what should we do with ISIS? And his answer was, kill him. And in another town meeting, uh, in a similar vein, he was asked, what do we need to do to rebuild our defenses? And he said, spend money. Now, you know, in both cases, it's more than just that. But he's pretty plain spoken. Um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. I, I've never heard him uh, respond to the drone issue.
1: Okay. Well, no, that's, that's Never fine. Never been
2: raised. I mean, how,
1: how do you feel about it being a former U.S. Senator and dealing with foreign policy in your career? I mean, can you, can you kind of agree with that line of thinking or not just agree with it, but see what I'm saying? I can where I'm see where from. the
2: uh, collateral damage is done to our image and, and uh, creating resentment and anger and hatred against us. On the other hand, we have killed hundreds of dangerous terrorists that way. And I'm not sure where we'd be if we hadn't. I think we'd be in a worse place. So it's very tough. Um, But we don't have a lot of choices. And the first priority is the safety of our families and our communities and our nation. And I think I'm speaking for John in this, and that we will do what we have to do to safeguard our families. Um, He speaks a lot about. inspiring young people to live lives greater than themselves. It, it, it seems that if there's a common thread among these Western youngsters who are attracted to Islam and become Isl- radical Islamists and go to join these terrorists, that they they the common thread is that they're sort of outsiders, don't fit in, um, and are... are are looking for a way to achieve some significance even if it's in a notorious way so this is tough to deal with but he speaks often of it the need for americans of all ages to to live outside of themselves to involve themselves with others to to live uh, to a higher standard, to serve, to make things better, to leave. Away. He, he speaks of this all the time, and you might think, "Well, yeah, great. It's, it's nice. You know, nice rhetoric. It's nice. It's all true. It's nice." But it's, what can a president do? Well, you can't. You know, you, there's some things you can't legislate. But the president, the office of president, does involve the opportunity, offers the opportunity to, for example bringing in young people who are doing good things and holding them up, putting them on a pedestal in the Oval Office or in, in the White House reception rooms and bringing in organizations that are doing good things and, and making, holding up as examples pe- individuals and organizations who are doing just the kind of things we I, I, I discussed a moment ago. And he's, that's his nature. He wants to do that. He's told me he's going to do that, use the White House as a bully pulpit. That's the expression.
1: Yeah, to well to inspire. So, to
2: inspire, yeah, that's the um, word to inspire. Well,
1: I love what he did with Nixon, how he got his college president to deliver a handwritten letter <laughs> to Nixon. So right now yeah. what I'm gonna do is if you go, if he makes it to the White House, obviously you're gonna have the president's ear. I wanna I wanna to go to the White House with you and Mike and Aaron, do a podcast and have a few beers. So we can I, Try and make uh, that happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, I don't it know. Is, this, we, I yeah, don't know. Them.
2: The beers might have to happen on Pennsylvania Avenue. I'm not. I'm not sure oh, yeah. 1600 Pennsylvania. But well, but a the other great part. Bars the other part. There. You know, I. I, I, I look, I, I, I don't. I I I don't count on having any particular role. But I just want to get this guy elected for the sake sure. of my children. Well, well, yeah, absolutely. And um, but
1: I, it's that kind of spirit I do appreciate about him because you know a lot of us have that spirit too. And and people think like. Politicians are these far off people who are so much smarter than us and so much more enlightened than we are, but you know, as you know, serving in the Senate they're really not you no. know they they a lot of them are right place, right time, have the right people backing them financially so um you wanted to talk a little bit about uh what was your next uh oh oh the next issue I wanted to touch on is this is a big one obviously is the issue of immigration yeah um, now yes. governor Kasich doesn't really strike me as a uh, a rabbit, you know, fervent uh, neoconservative, uh, anti-immigrant, Muslim-bashing type politician. Um, he's probably going to come at this with a more level-headed and, uh, you know, cogent response. What, what, what's his take on immigration? And obviously, since Donald Trump raised this months ago, it's been, it's always, it's always been part of the dialogue. But yes. it's really been—it's reached a fever pitch. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of ridiculous now at this point. What, what's what's the gubernatorial? take on this.
2: Well, John is what I call a practical, or maybe a better word, is a pragmatic, pragmatic conservative about it. conservative, yeah. as was Ronald Reagan, in my opinion. Um, so uh, he thinks, first of all, in the way of prevention, of uh, keeping the problem from getting worse, he believes that we should complete the wall, both the physical part and the electronic part, and that we need to take a very strict no exceptions approach to any further illegal immigration, that we need to close the door, if you will, and lock the door, uh, but that there should be a guest worker program so that people could come to the U.S., work, and be kept track of, and and uh, be required to leave when that period is up. Uh, as for those who are here... He does not favor giving them citizenship. Let me repeat that. He does not favor giving them citizenship. He does not favor rewarding them for, you know, putting them at the head of the line ahead of other people who are waiting outside, doing it the right way. Right. So they wouldn't get citizenship, but he would. neither would he round them all up in Trump wagons, shall we say. <laughs> well, that's not feasible. Uh, that's uh, just not uh, tear, you know, tearing them from the arms of their children. Uh, it's, it's, it's first of all inhumane and it's inconceivable and it couldn't even be done if you wanted to without really sort of Nazi like uh, show me your roundups papers. let me see your
1: papers yeah
2: yeah uh, so that's you know where he's coming from, which I think is a pragmatic approach that most people can. Embrace. We all wish we didn't have to deal with this problem. If it had been dealt with 20, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago, it wouldn't be nearly this big. But the next president has to deal with what he or she finds, and that's his approach.
1: Interesting. What do you think the implications are of a Hillary Clinton presidency should she win in November?
2: Uh, I think a lot of people will leave the country. <laughs> really? Because we heard that when Bill Clinton, <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
1: going, I'm going to Canada. I'm out of here. They got better health care. <laughs> this is going to
0: be terrible. <laughs> but I, mean, I heard know. people say that when, when uh, Bush yeah, was going to be reelected in
1: 04, and and uh, or you know, but well, at the last but, debate, they made it sound like a national security disaster was going to happen if Hillary became president. Well, I mean, you no. know, that's here's, here's what moment. I think
2: will happen. I think for the first time in our history, we'll have a felon behind bars who's president of the United States. Because there's a very high probability, possibility, and maybe even a probability that she's going to be indicted.
1: Over the email stuff or Benghazi or... Or email, uh, yeah. Yeah. Apparently
2: there's a big argument raging in the Justice Department whether they should make an exception for her because evidently there's enough there for an indictment. Yeah, I mean, you peel the layers back on the whole Clinton veneer
1: and... um, there's some shady business going on with the foundation and, you know, their financial dealings. We don't have to get in on all of it and throw mud at him. I mean, the GOP is doing a great job of that now. But uh, I, I think, uh, you know, people are tired of Bush's and Clinton's. And, and same with Jeb. I mean, look, Jeb, his poll numbers have stayed at 3% the whole time.
2: Yeah, you know? he's, he's a nice guy, too. And he served well as governor. But he's been out of office, what, a dozen years or something. And, and uh, <clears> furthermore, yeah. Yeah. people just don't want a dynasty, a political dynasty.
1: Well, yeah, and it's just, re- for me, it's really, really bad deja vu seeing a bush yelling about aircraft carriers and terrorism and war and all this stuff. It's it's just kind of hard to stomach for me because my, my what I remember of the bushes is, is, is just war, just mm. more war, stupid wars, you know, and uh, terrible, fo- feckless foreign policy and the world hating us and... Uh, yeah, I, I I think yeah, like you said, we, I've met Jeb, had some time with him. He was he was very very friendly, you know. But uh, I don't think it's going to happen for him.
2: I don't think so. But anyhow, I I want to focus on give me give me some more Kasich questions here. I want to focus on my guy, on the governor.
1: Yeah. So uh, Governor Kasich wins New Hampshire. Uh, from there, do you think that you know the. the the party starts to kind of galvanize behind a more establishment. To be yeah. the anti-Trump, Yeah, mean, because they're, they're talking about the first uh, you broker know, convention. convention since 1976. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Have you heard any, have you have any insight on that? Or, or I think the GOP is really worried about Donald Trump. And I think they might look to someone like Kasich or maybe Christie. Uh-huh. Eh, I don't know. Maybe Rubio. Or Rubio. Yeah. I mean, that That's probably the alternative.
2: Um. Well, all I can tell you is that, you know, it looks like, it looks like Trump or uh, Cruz in Iowa. It looks like uh, Trump's going to win here, um, but I don't think you know the numbers are pretty conclusive that he's not going to win in, in very many primaries going forward. Uh, as as Republican as the Republican field narrows down, then others will be able to surpass his numbers. I think. Um, so then South Carolina and, and then the Midwest, that's, you know, I'm repeating myself, that's where Kasich is, is strong. So our goal is to make sure he comes out of New Hampshire strong, and so far that appears to be happening. Yeah, no, we'll
1: touch a little bit more on Casey before we wrap up. We probably got about, what, another 15 minutes or so. I'm just interested in, in your background a little bit. I mean, I'm, obviously, Mike and I are from here in New Hampshire. We've been involved in politics for years. So your first uh, campaign for Senate in uh, 1978, roughly late 77, 78. Mm-hmm. Yes. You were pretty much uh, an outsider, right? You, you'd never held office. And um, from what I understand, basically, you and your uh, future wife, were, <laughs> yes. were, you guys were the campaign. That we, was yeah. That was it. So I mean, how how what did you do? What was the strategy? How did that work? I'm really interested in
2: that. Yeah, but are your listeners interested? I yeah, doubt yeah. it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, well, I was an airline you know. pilot. That that was yeah, my my right, real your background. my real life. And I actually earned an honest living for a while. <laughs>
0: 12, 12,
1: 12, 15 years. You were a professional pilot. Yeah,
2: and then I took a leave of absence to run for the Senate. And I got elected, and I got reelected, and that's the end of that. So. Yeah. So uh, And then I came home. I said I would serve two terms. and yeah, I, you did. I, I wouldn't make a career of it, and that's what I did. So that's it. <laughs>
1: that's it. I mean, you did some cool things in the Senate, though. I wanted to ask you a little bit about when you were on the um, Foreign Relations Committee and um, a little bit about Charlie Wilson and Operation Cyclone and that whole deal, because I'm very fascinated by that part of our history.
2: Well, I'll come back another time, if you like, and talk oh. about all of that in, in we, detail. But yeah. I don't, I, I'm here to represent John Kasich. Not, okay. not Gordon uh, Humphrey. And uh, if anybody needs to know anything about me, I'm a conservative Republican. I served two terms, kept my pledge to serve only two terms, and uh, came back. And, and uh, you know, I, I was there at the time of Ronald Reagan. I served during right. Ronald Reagan yeah. years, the golden age, if you will, of, of modern America, and feel lucky to have served there at that time, and feel lucky to have known him and to have known two or three others really outst- who are really outstanding uh, one was Jack Kemp, Congressman Jack Kemp, who was the Republican vice presidential <coughs> nominee with Bob Dole. What year was that? It was 96. 96. 96. Kemp, 20 yeah. years ago. Uh, really super guy, Jack Kemp. Really wonderful man, very much in the mold of Ronald Reagan. And the third guy who f- is right out of that mold, the second guy right out of that mold with Jack Kemp, uh, the Ronald Reagan mold, is, is John Kasich, really, honestly. Very much like both of those guys. Uh, pragmatic conservatives, um, um, courageous and and determined, yet um, kind and and good and and and, and likable. Right. Case so
1: he, he was in the House while you were in the Senate, correct? Yes, there was some crossover there. Did you guys ever work on any uh, any bills together, or any kind of uh, causes, or? or,
2: Um, Yeah, we were there. You've probably
1: known him for thirty plus years, correct?
2: Well, I knew him in Washington when he was in Congress in the House. I was in the Senate. He served eighteen years. I served twelve, but during eight of the we had sorry we had eight of those years in common. I'm a just, I'm a guy you can't tell on the radio, but I speak with my hands. Hey, hey, I, you know, you I, I keep but, whacking the mic. I want to have
1: it one of the debates where the candidates can't use their hands to <laughs> yeah, see how uh, like politicians' uh, hands are tied. not allowed to use Sorry. hands. Yeah. No, I can't no, speak.
2: Great. Tie my hands up. and I. <laughs> All used, the great orators use their hands. Yeah, yeah. It's not anyway, just an Italian so thing. That's what the noise mustard. was. I, I whacked the microphone. That's okay. So, uh, yeah, he's very much like, Kasich. very much like Kemp and Reagan.
1: Now, now, when you were in the Senate, um, it was during the time of, of things like Iran-Contra. Or, do you remember what those hearings were like with Oliver North? And, and I, you know, I, I look at Iran-Contra. I don't really think Reagan was really clued into all that and really involved. What were your thoughts on, on that time?
2: Uh, you know, that was not a very pleasant memory. And neither is that a terribly, in my opinion, a terribly significant um, part of the Reagan Legacy. You want to talk about a significant part? How about the defeat of the evil empire?
1: Oh, bring down this uh, wall. Absolutely. You, you
2: guys are too young to, to remember it. And I worry that millennials don't take seriously enough or don't seriously appreciate the danger that Soviet communism posed to the world. Um, but the Soviets had overspread all of Eastern Europe. And uh, <clears throat> when the Hungarians up, rose up against their... Their government, which was a puppet of Moscow, uh, the the Soviets sent in troops and put down. That was in 1956, I think. Put down the uh, Hungarian uprising, and then when the Czechs, for their part, did the same thing in 1968, they wanted. uh, Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we out. do that, too. We, no, we, we, no, we, we hey, always you know, bang the mics. So.
2: They wanted freedom, and uh, again, the Soviets sent in troops, and then they invaded Afghanistan and utterly occupied Afghanistan and, and killed hundreds of thousands of people, literally, to the point where the UN was uh, debating whether to charge the Soviet Union with genocide in Afghanistan. So it was a very bad and, a, and also, period, and also a very dangerous period because of the nuclear confrontation thank God that's all over. Uh, kind of sort of. I mean with Putin on the rise you, you you have to wonder and that's something maybe worth discussing. But right now but um, so anyway Ronald Reagan uh, confronted the Soviet Union engaged the Soviet Union and ultimately with the help of the pope at the time which pope was that John John Paul Paul, Paul. yeah, yeah. Great, John Paul II and George and Ringo. and yeah. and uh, Lech Wałęsa the uh, Polish leader of s- Solidarnosc, or solidarity in English, So uh, they ultimately uh, prevailed, and and the Berlin Wall came down, and and in 1991, the Soviet Union, which was, you know, I mean, they were collapsing, anyways. yeah, they were collapsing, collapsing economically, right. disaster, it, um, yeah, decided to dissolve because the Russians were getting tired of supporting these uh, these uh, satellite countries, literally subsidizing them so they all decided to go their own separate ways and that was one of the great blessings of the 20th century Um, and reagan played a very uh, critical historic role in that
1: so overall you're saying john Kasich and has that spirit that kind of
2: he does he was there helping ronald reagan fighting alongside ronald reagan uh, as i was and saw it all and that's how i got interested in when he became a candidate or was talked of as a candidate for president, possibly. Um, I remembered him from those days, and I had been following his successes out in Ohio where he's uh, been a, a an acclaimed govern, governor, acclaimed by Democrats and Republicans alike. And so, uh, but still, I, w- I went around and I, I, I examined all of the other candidates. I attended many of his town meetings Lurked in the shadows, if you will, and just listened, <laughs> creeping. And, and yeah, a little spying. Did, did, and, did
1: you have any of the other campaigns try to get you, try and bring you on board, actively? Yes.
2: Yeah, I don't want to say which, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah,
1: but that's part of the process. I mean, when you're someone who's served um, in Congress or someone who's politically been involved in New Hampshire, you know, and you still are active and still speaking out, um, campaigns love to get great surrogates. So, you've been doing a great job for them.
2: Well, I'm, I'm trying. I, I feel very s- strongly about yeah. uh, what a great president he would be and how superbly prepared he is. Not only among this group of candidates, but I think he's the best prepared candidate f- for the office of president in decades. Interesting Legislative experience in the House, chair of the Budget Committee, balanced the budget. 18, did, I, did we say, I didn't think I mentioned that he was on the Armed Services Committee 18 years and is today a defense expert. He doesn't need training wheels. He doesn't need right. three or four years of on-the-job training to understand this arcane uh, defense budget and all of the weapons systems and how the Pentagon functions or doesn't function and uh, how the Armed Services Committees work. He's, he's already an expert. He, you know, He's just right up to speed on all that stuff. I mean, in as much as, as national security is is one of the two prime... Um, areas of concern on the part of most voters that he is so well prepared in in the realm of national defense is just another um, blue ribbon qualification
1: yeah do you have any uh, other closing questions uh, oh I wanted to ask you what your favorite political film was (laughs) having served in Washington I'm sure you've seen all the president's men uh, you know if, if you have a favorite political film, or if you I, watch I, House of Cards,
2: I, I, I don't watch all that stuff. I, I lived it. I don't need to see it in the you don't movies. You don't want to be reminded
1: how horrible it was. No. Uh,
2: my, if you want to know my favorite movie, it's Master and Commander. Have you seen that? That's oh, a, Russell Crowe. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen that's that. A yeah, picture. Uh, that's my kind of. <laughs> so
1: is it safe to say that uh, Governor Kasich, as president, wouldn't? You, we mentioned that we touched on Afghanistan. Afghanistan has been known as the you know the yeah. the nation that defeats empires, you yes. know that repels empires like the Soviet Union. And now we're you know with 15 years uh, into being over mm-hmm. there after 9/11 governor Kasich probably wouldn't bring us into something like iraq is it safe to say that i mean he a, says it all the time that okay. we should not it, get
2: involved in civil wars yes that's, he, that's, I think that's those are his that's words that's an important distinction yes that it's one thing you know to go over there and kill these isis animals but that doesn't mean we should stay there we should we should right. we should work with uh, a coalition of allies and destroy them he says that you can't do it by bombing alone we're going to have to put troops allied troops on the ground and that reflects history because as surgical as air power sounds in theory it it is not and never gets the job done by itself so it's going to take not boots on the ground because that's not what we send we send american men and women and that's a very weighty decision and a very weighty responsibility on the shoulders of the commander in chief which is yet another reason may i say particularly for listeners who have a youngster in military uniform that you want to choose a president who is up who is a defense expert who's knows how to make government work you don't want an amateur um in the white house uh, even one that you know Says he's going to make America great again. On, <laughs> on the basis of what? Who, who knows? But Just all you want prepared. you want experience. There's no if you could, you're going to choose a dentist, you want an experienced dentist. You're going to choose a surgeon, you want an experienced surgeon. You want Ben Carson. Well, yeah.
1: You don't want to go to sleep when you're doing it. You know?
2: <laughs> and if you want a president who will lead the country into prosperity, greater prosperity and greater safety, you need experience, not amateurs. You know, people say the government should be like business, and to be sure, uh, modern uh, innovations should be adopted and, and business-like methods should be adopted, and that's part of the reason the governor has been so successful in Ohio, Kasich. By the way, here's, an, here's a really uh, a revealing statistic. The... N- n- number of persons who work for the state of Ohio, that is to say the number of state employees, is at a 30-year low in Ohio. There isn't another state that can say that. And how did he do that? Did he have mass firings? No, he didn't fire anybody. He simply didn't replace um, people when they retired, state employees when they retired. He didn't replace them. Well, then how do they manage? They manage with innovation and modern technology. That makes... The state employees more productive, and uh, again experience.
1: That would be nice if we could do that to the Fed, the federal well, level. Could uh, we uh, get those numbers down,
2: oh, shrink. That's the... you know that's what I've said by that's what I've implicitly said. So let yeah. me now say it explicitly, <laughs> that what he's done in Ohio is not black magic, it's not rocket science, it's it's plain common sense, uh, and those those reforms can be scaled up to the national level.
1: Excellent. Well, that wraps it up here for Jackman Radio. I want to thank you, Senator, so much for joining us. Well, my very in, great pleasure. Uh, being very eloquent in highlighting why you've endorsed and are supporting Governor John Kasich for president. Um, it's been very fascinating, and I would love to do a follow-up interview. There's so many things I would love to talk to you about. while you were a Senator separate from these presidential politics, I, I want to talk about I want talk about cyclone, I want to talk about Charlie Wilson. I want to talk about your uh, sentiments towards Edward Snowden, which I highly applaud and I'm very, very supportive of, and really appreciate you doing that. So thank okay, you for- well, I'll be back. Yeah, we'll have you back. So ladies and gentlemen, uh, Senator Gordon Humphrey, he was in the United States Senate from 1979 to 1990. He's on the trail for John Kasich, and you can check John Kasich out at uh, johnkasich.com. He's on Twitter, he's on Facebook. And he'll be in your town coming soon. Yes, and he will New be Hampshire. moving here to New Hampshire for the final stretch, and uh, we very much...
2: May, may I just say, for those who want to go to uh, one of the one of Governor Kasich's town meetings, again, you can find his schedule uh, on johncasick.com
1: everything you need is there <laughs> yes well thank you so much for joining us thank you senator humphrey and another episode of jackman radio we appreciate you listening thank you
0: i until I, die. I, won't until I try to ease my mind until i find
3: down and there's less and less hope and there's more and more guns go west the cia there will be more and more drugs man i still want to rob trains want to push it to the limit till they eyes pop things i'm trying to make a left turn but they got the lane blocked off man. and my heart's red and burning. These are days ain't days, searching for a truth like a mouse in a maze Blood pressure through the roof is about to be raised On the run from the law in the high-speed chase Maybe it's only genetics, but they gon' give me some diuretics of the future If you wanna let it be, you gotta let it I'm still riding through the wood, but ejaculating, illuminating Underneath my hood, I'm coming above, I got my life All my
0: life, I can't keep Until I find a way to go back in time All my life, I can't kick over this until I die I won't kick over this until I try to ease my mind Until I find a way
3: to go back in time I'm in a murderous rage, but I gotta maintain cause I wanna blaze blaze, but I gotta make they got me in chains, they got you in every one. They play this like a game, and yes, I think they finally won. They cling to guns and to religion. Why they rob us, fucking blind? Our tailors always die. Each party bribing, they both told a lie. How can you feel fine and feel something ain't right at the same time? Tranquilize, man, the lies don't stop. They search and the next X rising stock. Gonna bet they buy, sit up. People put your biases up. I know the sun is hot, as bright as fuck But otherwise I'm stuck, that's why I might give up There's five good lives, they ain't even trying to fight us Where's my rioters? I'll take a hiatus, maybe And introduce our baby to this crazy fucking circus Singing, got my motherfucking nine by my side, mate.